Okay, welcome back to another Unum podcast and it's great to welcome back a previous guest, Nicola, but also a new one, Claire. And it is Wellbeing Central here today with my two esteemed wellbeing professionals. What I wanted to do today is talk about mental health, resilience, and how, as those responsible for the well-being of hundreds, if not thousands, of people can actually be completed. So firstly, Nicola, can you just remind everybody about yourself, why well-being for employees is so important to you? Yeah, sure. Hi, Beth. Yeah, glad to be here again. So I'm the health and well-being consultant for Unum employees, so working within the company and um, really why workplace um, well-being is important to me and mental health because I see it as being a fundamental building block to us being successful as a business. My name is Claire Hormay, thank you very much for um, <laughs> inviting me along. I look after Oracle's um, health and well-being um, programme for the UK. Um, we have um, about 5,000 people in the UK so um, I think well-being is really important because it affects us all, it affects us all in many different ways. Um, I think wellbeing's changed over the past few years. I think it used to be quite prescriptive in that we were sort of telling people that they should be doing 10,000 steps and you should be, you know, drinking, not drinking too much caffeine and you should be having five portions of fruit and veg a day. And it was quite kind of prescriptive. Whereas I feel now, especially in terms of mental health, we've really moved into a space where we're talking about wellbeing holistically and what it means for different people at different stages in their life. Such passion and enthusiasm for a topic <laughs> so close to my heart. I mean, this is ongoing. I see it for both of you. Obviously, we work with Oracle and, and see it internally with all the work that Nicola's been doing. And, and we are lucky to be a part of all of that. So firstly, I suppose, Nicola, what have you been focusing on this year and, and why? Okay, so um, this year we've had a, a real key focus on resilience of our employees. Um, <clears throat> as, a, as an organisation, we aspire to really be leaders in this space. And so we wanted to sort of start off with getting everybody on board with what we mean by resilience. So we started off at the start of this year by really defining what resilience means to us at Unum and trying to make it tangible and something that we can all relate to. Um, and then building on that, it was then about really trying to get everybody on board with that key concept of what resilience was and how it could actually help you in your day-to-day -day life. So this year we've embarked on manager training. Um, we were looking at resilience, we were looking at diversity and inclusion as well and accepting differences and how we will come to the table with different lived-in experiences. Um, so that was earlier in this year and then we've been using the UNUM U First uh, training and been rolling that across making it compulsory for line managers and then optional for our employees and we've had really good attendance at that um, this year. So building on from there we've put together a, a mental health first aid toolkit and also a wellbeing toolkit which is um, something that's new for UNUM so it's something we're using internally and it's really pulling together all of the resources that are available and putting them in one place. Um, at Unum we're heavily involved with Britain's Healthiest Workplace and one of the feedbacks we had from that survey was actually we've got so much stuff that employees just can't find what they need when they need it and actually quite often they're not aware that these resources are available. So we've put that all into one place for them and, and heavily focused on resilience with self-directed tools and resources that anyone can just pick up and, and use. And sort of in terms of what's next in that space, we're very much looking at uh, the apps that are available. So how can we make this stuff even more accessible for employees when they're on the go, when they're at home, just sort of as and when, when they need that 
extra support. We did do, there's quite a lot of focus on digital, isn't there, from Unum mm. as a company there and is, insurer yeah. Yeah. And, and Unum internally. So it's kind of joining all of those things <coughs> up. Yeah. And obviously the training that you were doing to all of your staff and line managers was done virtually and face-to-face. -face. So there was. was the option for those that couldn't join face-to-face -face or home workers, regional people could all make sure that they got access to all of that. So it works yeah. out really well. What about yourself, Claire? What have you been doing? Um, so I think this year, focusing on mental health in particular, We've done lots of different things. We introduced um, in May, which was Mental Health Awareness Week, we did um, we introduced a mental health check as part of our physical health check. So twice a year we do a, um, a roadshow where we take physical checks around to all of our UK-based offices. And what we wanted to do with the mental health check was make it really normal for people to check in with their mental health as they would check in with their physical health. So you check your blood right. pressure, but actually it's great to kind of just check in with your mental health at the same time. Um, and it was the first time we've did it. We've repeated it again um, just recently in, in November for our Benefit Fair Tour um, as part of that. So it'll be quite it's been interesting to see the results from that. It'll be interesting to see if they change. But then the kind of follow-up from that is that we also created, with Unum's help, um, a mental wellbeing support pathway where we basically just put for managers and for employees a really simple pathway exactly what Nicola was saying put it into one place exactly all the tools people have got so if something's flagged from that mental health check then they can go and look at the tool and see okay which is going to be the most res relevant resource for me and the most appropriate mm. thing to use because especially with mental health I think it's quite an individual discovery you know yeah. people kind of look at it, it will will be provoked to sort of investigate their, their themselves through something like a mental health check but they won't necessarily be ready to pick up the phone and phone an employee assistance program and say out loud I think I'm feeling anxious but they might want to explore it a little bit more in their own detail before they mm. they make that step um, and then we've also been focusing on mentally healthy conversations so we had um, a WebEx session on how to structure a mentally healthy conversation because I think we do a lot about telling people we should talk about it, but actually sometimes that can be quite daunting if you, you know, you almost need a tip sheet to say this is how you start that mm. conversation. So that was one of the other things that we've done. Um, and we also did a real focus on Mental Health Awareness Week. We did a WebEx every single day, one with our country leadership team talking about their approaches to mental health, uh, one covering anxiety, another bipolar. Um, one of our interns talked about his experiences with um, depression um, and then also with the charity Mind, which is one of the, the Oracle charities as well. So it's been quite varied, but, um, but lots of stuff going on. Lots of focuses. <laughs> so exciting. Is there, is there any other initiatives, anything else that you, either of you wanted to share that you've been getting up to? I suppose the only other thing is we have been working with the Union Mental Health Plan, which, given that we actually, you know, we sort of pride ourselves in doing quite a lot already, was actually really interesting because there were quite a lot of boxes that we didn't necessarily tick totally and could have done with some improvement on. So that was really, really helpful. Um, and from that, that's really given us a bit of extra um, direction in terms of managers um, and kind of focusing on the difference between stress and mental health and how do we educate employees and managers to what those differences are. And we've really used the Unum resources for that, which has been really, really good. This is not just a plug <laughs> of all of the stuff that Unum does. No. The Just for anyone that's not aware, the... the um, the plan that Claire was talking about is just that is the mental health and well-being audit looking at absence data, things that are going on within the business, policies, what's happening with line manager training, basically looking at the, the kind of mental health standards that were set out in the um, Stevenson Pharma review and then kind of cross-checking what's been going on within the business. Um, it's part of a consultative piece that we just do as part of part of the insurance that customers have with Unum and it just helps, like you say, set out where you're meeting the standards, where it could be improved from a kind of third party that isn't going to be 
trying to make it look like you're even better than you are because it's your yeah. job that you're <laughs> assessing um, and then just work with you we don't have to work with you to go kind of go through it and what areas that you're going to meet and we did that with Unum and with Oracle as yeah, well yeah that's right and you know and I just echo what Claire said because actually um, when I was sort of preparing for, for this today we were realizing actually a lot of the actions that we've been involved in this year have come off the back of that that yeah. plan so it was really that piece around line manager involvement and being able to have you know supportive open conversations really came from the plan and actually to have a mental health plan as well you mm. know and have that built into your overall well-being plan is absolutely key so you know even though I've been operating this space for years as has Claire having you Beth come and sort of have a look at what we're doing was really helpful um, you know so I'm really grateful for that. Keep it going. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's, it's, it's obviously the standards were released externally anyway. So was there any other initiatives that have, that have come on? Um, I think for us at Unum, one of the, the things that's really brought us the furthest this year is the overhaul of our attendance management process mm. um, which you know if we sort of we're being honest we, we were really lacking actually particularly sort of in our early intervention support so we've really sort of um, streamlined and actually Claire I spoke to you about you know some mm. of the processes and approaches that you've taken elsewhere um, and spoke to some of our other customers as well and sort of you know what does best practice look like um, so for us now we've got a more systematic approach where we've got better um, more robust reporting that comes from our workday system that really flags um, at what point employees are at in the absence cycle and then we have various lines of support and reaching out to people like our vocational rehab and occupational health support um, the disability forum so you know the different people that we partner with and making sure that we do absolutely everything we can to to support people's either their return to work or actually the space we predominantly seem to be working in is actually helping people stay at work and we're finding we're getting really good return um, in terms of the investment that we've spent on that so for me personally that's kind of been quite a groundbreaking piece of work for us this year and it's it's really opening up lots of other um, avenues in terms of you know particularly around that disability piece um, you know how we best support people um, and make sure you know that they are able to have open conversations and, and ask for help as mm -hmm. well at that early point before it becomes more of an issue for them um, and I think the other piece is that we've really been looking at the way in which people approach works, the way in which they structure their day. And you know, the, one of the things, we had a campaign called Sit, Stand, Move, Repeat. And it's about just trying to reduce sedentary behavior. And I know today we're talking about mental health, but actually physical, emotional, mental, it's all part and parcel mm -hmm. of the same thing. And actually, if you think about just moving around more during your day, you know, breaking your state, having a break, talking to somebody, stretching your legs, you know, if you've got a sit, stand desk, just sort of putting it to stand, and standing for a few minutes actually in terms of your energy and your focus the return is incredible and so we've ran some focus groups sort of pre and post intervention uh, we put together a short film that we've shared recently um, with staff and we had senior sponsorship for that and actually we're really encouraging our staff to you know to get up and move around and not feel chained to their their desk so culturally we've got quite a lot of um, new initiatives yeah. that we're, we're really trying to drive that that behavior change um, sort of a macro but also that micro level as well this all feeds in because we see a lot of the trends and what's happening and we developed the you first session that you were talking about earlier in terms of resilience um, and that's obviously for the customers and we've delivered it at Unum but we're going to develop that even further in line with that kind of physical piece mm. and there's going to be a you first on 
physical and ergonomics well-being so no, focusing great. on the importance of breaking your habits taking a stand taking a phone yeah. call walking around all those extra things that could actually improve well-being mm. from a more physical perspective so it's going to be a separate kind of drop down from from the youth first so we're all all doing it together aren't we which is lovely you mentioned about seeing some tangible outcomes and I think the thing with well-being which is where it's it's starting to get on the map because we're starting to prove what's being done but how do you measure success how do you actually say yeah this is making a difference and prove it because I think that's the biggest it's really difficult isn't it it is a challenge yeah and I think I mean we've we initially just put a marker in the sand in terms of the data that we had mm. so we originally and this is sort of four or five years ago just literally took you know the reports we were having from our occupational health provider and said right this is this is where we're starting this is what we're going to start measuring from and from there we've managed to we've actually in the last sort of five years completely revolutionized how we use occupational health and um introduced some different support services um and and we've our measurements become a lot more sophisticated mm. so now we create but with the data from all of our wellbeing providers, so that includes employee assistance program, income protection, critical illness, um, uh, health and safety within the, the office, looking at the sickness absence data from HR as well. We now create a dashboard every quarter where we look at what are the kind of the big health risks that we're seeing within the population mm-hmm. and what are the trends. And there is thankfully a really clear correlation, yeah. which keeps me in a, in, in a job, between the number of people engaging in a wellbeing programme and a reduction in total sickness absence as well as a slight reduction in mental health absence. Mm-hmm. And I say a slight reduction in mental health absence because actually what we've seen is a reduction in medium and longer term mental health absence, but actually we do tend to see it's almost sometimes there's a short, um, a, a slight spike in short term mental health sickness absence but that we don't necessarily see that as a bad thing because it means people are actually getting the support yeah. and and people are being open with their managers about the fact that why they're off work sick mm. whereas you know historically there would be situations where managers wouldn't be aware until or HR wouldn't be aware until the employee had been off sick mm. for a long period of time so. data is my soapbox I don't <laughs> think you I don't think you can do anything unless no. you know where you're at yeah, and exactly. where you want to get to yeah. well it's the just exactly the same Claire same situation I think that's why we've really focused on our attendance process this year because that we didn't have robust reliable data um, you know, we've done a lot of training with managers to ensure that they're actually putting in the reason for absence. Because I think that's the other issue with mental ill health is that often um, it's recorded as something else. So particularly on your short-term frequent mm. absences, you see migraines, headaches, IBS, cold flu, you know, um, food poisoning, that type of thing. And it's really sort of <clears throat> looking for the patterns to see actually is this more than just you know the the descriptor that's been that's been recorded. Um, so there's a bit of a challenge with that and I don't really know I think that's just going to be time I think as we sort of overcome the stigma um, of mental ill health so I think that's one of our challenges but certainly in terms of proving um, the effectiveness of our approach for us it's about engagement Mm -hmm. so at the starting point you know have employees engaged in this program it's about what is our absence data showing us but also it's about really connecting in with our um, HR business partners to find out what's going on in their particular part of the business and talking to employees as well and at Unum we've got a um, employee uh, wellbeing committee which has got about 12 employees across the business um, you know we've got sites in Dorking, Basingstoke, we've got regional offices in Glasgow, Birmingham, Bristol for example as well as home workers so we've got a really good representation on that 
group and it's just actually them sharing what's going on in the business and us really sort of pulling together to see you know what we can do to target any issues that we're that we're observing so it's about talking it's about looking at the data and, and sort of measuring but also I think often you, you get a feel in mm. an organization as to what's going on as well um, but yeah it is a challenge for sure and I do think there's a trend almost away from the hard data that I was kind of mentioning towards engagement and towards the kind of softer measures as well, yeah. like that value on investment rather than the return on investment. Mm. Um, and I think, and that's difficult to quantify, isn't it? And I think, and a lot of, as you say, the feedback you get is anecdotally from HR business partners and, and what they're seeing around the business. So it can be quite difficult to put that into a, mm. a measurable kind of format. Yeah. Um, but definitely, I think, we, we measure in terms of numbers of people doing things and one of the earlier questions you asked were you know other initiatives and we talked about digital but actually we've got um it's called slack it's a bit like yammer or facebook for mm. work or you know those sorts of tools that we introduced this year and that's been really interesting and really good for engagement because mm. it's a bit it's interesting seeing people's habits with social media and things like that but but we did something like called Sweat-Tember where people put photos up in September of them, you know, working out in the gym or with their colleagues and stuff. We had to have some rules on, you know, the class of photos that was added. Nothing was too, was too uh, offensive. Um, but that was really good just from an engagement perspective yeah. because you got people liking photos, putting kind of yeah. funny pictures up and things at the same time. Um, and then actually, you know, we find it was in a state where we're going around the country doing benefit fairs now, talking to them about the employee assistance programme and actually most people are aware of it because they're on that channel they're seeing the funny stuff but also the other messages yeah. are kind of there as well as a bit of an underlying um, theme as well so so engagement is a really important part of it as well but challenge to manage to quantify it's not you're not the it's not <laughs> it's universal isn't it it's yeah the whole, it's the whole piece um brilliant so i actually claire challenged me to put this question in to ask you guys <laughs> uh, but i think it's a really good one we're talking about mental health uh, why would we not be thinking about mental health first aiders? What do we think is, you know, I have my own opinion uh, about mental health first aiders. I think personally that they're a brilliant addition, but they need to be part of an overall strategy. And I think a lot of, a lot of the research that's out there is saying there's no evidence to suggest that mental health first aiders are beneficial. And I think that's because what businesses do is exactly the opposite of what you two have both talked about, about how you're approaching mental health within your businesses, because what you're doing is you're looking at the issues, the needs, the engagement, all of the baseline stuff, whatever that be, it doesn't have to be the numbers. Mm -hmm. And then you're thinking, how do I approach this strategically? And then putting things in place. Whereas a lot of businesses go, oh goodness, we've got some mental health issues, or it's popular in social media. Let's chuck some mental health first aiders there, grab a workshop from here, and that isn't a solution. That's just a completely immeasurable, mud sticking type way of approaching it and so that's why I think the mental health first aiders piece doesn't work but I'd be interested to get your opinions as the experts in the field. This is something that at Unum um, I've been struggling with actually recently oh. so I've been talking to our mental health first aiders um, about how do we evaluate whether it's worthwhile. Yeah. So um, we've, we've really gone very basic with this and we've set up a spreadsheet and you know for each contact that a mental health first aider has within the context of somebody approaching them and talking about their mental health, we just put a mark. So we're trying to quantify the number of contacts mm. that these individuals have because of their status as a mental health first aider. And I don't know really that you can do much more than that. I think the other thing is to make sure that they're 
fully updated with all the different forms of support that are available in the company and that they're able to signpost. But I do think that's probably, at the moment with my thing, that's as far as it as it goes. Mm. And then I think the other piece is to make sure that, yes, they're part of a broader strategy. So you've got your fundamentals in place, like your employee assistance program, you know, you might have something like we've, we've, we're getting the new help at hand as well with the mental health support that's in there. Um, you have your mental health first aiders, but also you have things like wellness action plans in place. You have trained managers that are able to have healthy, supportive conversations as part of sort of a PX review. Um, and then it's really about looking at the data in terms of your attendance data and the types of issues that are coming through your HR team. And I think mental health first aid is just one part of that that yeah. bigger picture um but yeah interested if you've got any other thoughts Claire yeah well it's uh, the reason I kind of put it in was because I've heard quite a lot of I guess it, two sides of the face yeah. the different kind of arguments for and against it and we actually never have had mental health first aid as an oracle and I don't know if that's sort of a historical fear that um if you went if mental health first aiders was talking to employees on an individual basis they wouldn't be signposting effectively so how do you kind of select people to make sure that you've got the right people who are definitely going to be signposting to the right services because we're all about giving people the most appropriate and relevant support for their challenge at that moment in time mm -hmm. um and human nature it sometimes is to kind of put your arm around that person yeah. give them a cup of tea and say mm -hmm. don't worry it's all going to be all right and to almost forget about the signposting element of it so maybe it's a fear on our side um and then now i think i've been interested to see you know the fact that actually our mental health first aid is working lots of people are talking about whether there is actually any benefit measurable i suppose here we go back to the the, yeah. uh, the question we just had um in terms of whether it's working or not so I don't know. I think I completely. I think I agree with you, Beth. I think if it's in place and it's part of you know a wider plan, mm. and it's all about signposting, and the people that are selected are doing a really good job and know exactly what the signposting purposes are, then I think it is really good. But um, I do think there's an element of risk with it as well, in that if you don't necessarily have the right people being those mental health first aiders, mm. then do you open yourselves up for? Yeah, the that's risk interesting. Of things. Um, we did do a little bit of a screening actually because we had we were deluged with individuals because of the nature of our business. We've got so many experts in the field that we were deluged with interest. So we did a little bit of a screening and really it was to check fundamentally that the individuals were in the right space themselves yeah. to be able mm. to help others. Um, and it really was about signposting, actually thinking about it. Um, and for us, a key element was the mental health first aid toolkit that we've got. And for, for our first aiders to really see that as their, their central resource. So part of this screening process was actually about positioning it. Mm. Um, so we haven't had so many issues of that nature. But I could see that could be an issue depending on the nature of your business. Because we operate in this space, as you mm. know. Um, but other organisations may not. So I think maybe you have to kind of weigh up depending on the type of business you have um, and really think quite clearly about who you're recruiting, yeah. why you're recruiting them and whether they're able to do that signposting. The other bit of that, though, is that sometimes businesses just get mental health first aiders yeah. and they haven't got the support network mm. or anywhere to signpost to and they are completely responsible. And we've had um, some companies that have kind of put it in place with nothing else mm. and those individuals are really overwhelmed and they yeah. need to have help because yeah. they That's can't the other cope with all, yeah. of the, all, you know, all of these people are, oh my goodness, there's a support network there, I'm going for it. And they're completely kind of, I can't, mm. I can't manage all of this. Mm. I'm, I've just volunteered to, to do this and have two days training so it's about getting that balance and actually having the place that they can signpost to yeah. and having the right people um, 
and not having it as just the only solution or part of a kind of completely random, it's got to be all of the parts. Mm. And I think the sheer nature of a business just putting their hand up and going, actually, we are looking at this and we are trying to change what we're doing. And even just just doing the training gets people talking about it and it is a nod in the right direction. Yeah. So I don't think it should be considered mm. like if you're not doing it as part of the whole strategy, it's completely wrong, but it's also making those steps as well, taking those steps. So, so. Mm. Good question. An interesting <laughs> argument. Good challenge. And I think you could go round and round in circles yeah, and all probably. of that. There's no right or wrong, I suppose. <laughs> no. So to kind of summarise the, the, the chat we've had today, which I've, I've really enjoyed this, the time's gone so fast. Any advice to people thinking about starting a focus on mental health and resilience? Any advice to take away? Yeah, sure. So uh, maybe it's a bit hypocritical, but I have a plan, <laughs> which we didn't have until we had the the, the union plan, um, the mental health plan. And it's really simple, isn't it? Like we have a wellbeing plan, we have objectives in terms of what we want to achieve in terms of wellbeing and, and what our measures are. But actually, we don't break that down into mental health and, and kind of compartmentalise that as a specific thing. Um, the other things that have been really good are that we've found is having leadership. Mm. intervention and um, and that can be really challenging especially in a you know busy organization that's quite spread out and quite diverse um, but having leaders that are willing to kind of put themselves forward and talk about mental health is really good and actually going back to what I was saying about the mental health awareness sessions that we ran in May the most the highest attended one was the session where we had our senior leaders talking mm. about their approaches to mental health so um, people are really interested and do do learn from that um, and then my only other thing is to be really inclusive with mental health. Like it means so, mental health means so many different things to so many different yeah. people. And, and I'm always surprised when I speak to employees how much people have got going on in their personal lives. And it's quite humbling when you speak to them and realize what people are actually dealing with. Um, so it, I think making sure that you, all the sessions and things that we're running in terms of resilience, in terms of mental health support are really broad and that they do kind of encompass everyone at some stage and are really aware of people's different challenges. Good ones. Um, and for me, I think it's about really making, having a plan, but making it um, relevant to your business. So really looking at your business and looking at what the specific issues are, the things that you're seeing, <clears throat> excuse me, the things that you're seeing and um, what the health risks are, and then being quite targeted and quite sort of mean with your time as well. So very focused in terms of, you know, where are we going to invest our energy to get the greatest return? So for us, um, I mentioned earlier, we take part in Britain's Healthiest Workplace, and that gives us some really valuable data mm. year on year. So we've got our baseline data, and we're always striving to improve on um, um, our health, our population health risk against that. So that gives us a really targeted focus in terms of what Unum's needs are. So I think that piece is key. Um, for me, it has to be getting the basics in place as well. So we've mentioned EAP, you know, we've mentioned the various support that you need to have in place. So making sure that that you've got the the foundations covered. Um, as Claire said, leadership buy-in absolutely important because you can be really, really busy in this space. But actually, if you haven't got the support. Um, of your senior leadership, you're really not going to be able to embed this in the organisation. Um, so yeah, so I think I think that's it for me really. But it's about just getting those fundamentals in place, getting the support, but then really being very focused. Well, I think that's been a really insightful session. Like I say, I've got loads out of it, but re I really enjoyed just catching up with you guys. I said we've got the wellbeing team of of success in the room today and uh, really enjoyed that conversation and just thinking about what we really 
need to be doing in terms of participation engagement and listening to the business and the business needs and making sure that we find effective solutions that you know you can measure to an extent just to prove the value and the worth so thank you very much for listening today if you've enjoyed the, the podcast make sure that you like it and share it and hopefully we'll catch you on the next one thank you very much